0: Uh yeah. It's your boy Weezy from the What is Truth Podcast. Song you hear in the background is by Brother Eric from the Gospel of Saint Malcolm podcast. His links and information will be in the description. And at the end of Our podcast I will play the entire song unedited for your listening pleasure fascinating podcast Um, I know it's a little different from the Sean Atwood stuff but this is what I'm planning on doing moving forward just to show y'all it ain't about daddy atwood all the time so hope y'all enjoy it it's about the honorable Malcolm X um, touching base on things that you may have or have not heard had an excellent conversation make sure you visit the brother eric show him some love all right y'all enjoy all right what's up y'all we are here today with my good man brother eric from the gospel of saint malcolm and uh should be an interesting show it's gonna be going over the life of malcolm x maybe stories that you are not completely familiar with. So, uh, Brother Eric, tell us a little bit of who you are.
1: All right. So, I came into learning about Malcolm X really from a very young age. But I grew up in Baltimore. And if you know anything about Baltimore, it's like it's a lot of crime, it's a lot of things that were going on. So, I was starting to kind of get influenced. By the street, and uh, a couple of factors changed that and moved my life into a different direction. Um, having a dad, I will say, helped a lot, and I had other mentors. But one weekend in the seventh grade, I picked up the autobiography of Malcolm X. Um, I think I bought it home from school or something like that, yeah. and I started reading it, and I just couldn't put the book down. And um, I was inspired by this man's carriage and his ability to this is a person that also came from the street um, a person that lived the, the street life completely but transformed himself into a virtuous person with moral standards and lived by moral code and he stood for something that was much greater than himself so that's, that's kind of what pushed me into you know wanting to talk about one of the things that pushed me into wanting to talk about him um, a lot more.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, growing up, you know, going through the school system myself, I grew up in the West Coast. And uh, the the image that we get in schools, in the public school system of a Malcolm X is someone of a, of a racist, a violent person. Um, that is not, very true. You know what I'm saying? And until you start digging into him. And studying his speeches, you realize he is far more than that. He is not this villain that we get taught in schools, you know, to be. So, you know, I, I ran into your podcast completely by accident. Um, I was looking at, I can't remember exactly what I was looking for, but I, I saw you. And, you know, Malcolm X has always fascinated me. And uh, when, when I found your podcast, man, I binge watched. So, everyone... Head over to my brother Eric's uh, podcast. His information will be in the description. And smash that motherfucking subscribe button. (laughs) (laughs) That's my motto, man. Uh, But, yeah, man, I I binge watch your shows, man. And the in-depth detail, the the way you construe your message, and and the way you break things down, I was like, man, I got to get this man on on the show. So just, you know, truly grateful that you accepted the invitation, man, and uh thank you for having me really quite no, yeah,
1: pleasure.
0: the pleasure is mine, my man. Uh so I know we don't have too much time, but I I was hoping today that we can um kinda get an overview of who Malcolm X was and the real Malcolm X, not this, you know, garbage image that we get, you know, fed through the public school system. You know, uh, what he really was was an intellectual. You know, far ahead of uh of his time, in my opinion. I mean, you can listen to his speeches today and the way they resonate in this very moment, you know, it's just, it's crazy. So, I, I mean, I, I know it's, there's so much in there, but if we can somehow kind of get a glimpse of, of, of the man, Malcolm X, that would be awesome.
1: <laughs> it is. It is amazing to me too. When I go and I listen to his speeches and he's talking about things like the Democrats, are no different than the Republicans, and yeah. basically the Democrats using black people and people of color for their vote. This is in 1964. Hell yeah! This is a man that died February 21st, 1965, and you can take some of his speeches, don't put a date on it, and just let him say what he's saying, and it applies till to today. Like it's like this man's words speak through time, right? Um. In, in terms of his life history, um it's an interesting thing because a lot of people know that he came out of the nation of Islam and that he was a student of Elijah Muhammad and they just assume that this is where all of, of his pro blackness and all of his insight into the world came from. Right. That's that's not completely true. They helped shape a lot of the moral character and the the want to research but if you look into the teachings of the nation of islam and then you look at what malcolm was talking about his international perspective his pan-africanist perspective his ability to have relationships with world leaders in africa as well as the relationship he was developing with fidel castro a lot of those things are out of the scope of anything in the nation of islam and really hasn't been duplicated by any nation of Islam leaders since. Um, where he got a lot of his foundation from was actually from his his family. His father was a part of the Marcus Garvey movement, and his mother was a part of the Marcus Garvey movement too. And she did the newspaper for the Marcus Garvey movement. And it's interesting because even though he wasn't raised by them completely because his father was killed by the Klan had his body severed in half and left on a streetcar. Um, you know, they had those streetcars that ran back in the day.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, they were like trains in the middle of a city. Right. And his body was severed, severed in half and he was killed by the Klan out in Omaha, Nebraska, where mm. uh, Malcolm was born.
0: That's, that's a so, rough area, that, man, it, for being, you know, being a, black down in, in that time period. God damn, man. I can only it's a, imagine. It's a rough area. Yeah. And,
1: Ironically, a lot of the blacks there were very, very progressive. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a rough area. But it's it's interesting that even though he didn't have his parents all through his childhood, because I think even by the time his father died when he was like maybe seven or something like that, he was very young. Right. And then by the time he's twelve or thirteen, he's he lost his mother because she had she, she was seven she had seven kids. And um, she has no husband, no way to really support herself. So this leads to her having a mental breakdown and being put into an institution, which leaves him pretty much as an orphan. Mm -hmm. Um, So despite that, that foundation that they set really ends up being becoming a part of his life when he gets older, after he gets out of the street phase um, that he goes through and does his Time in Jail and all of the, the things that people see in the movie Malcolm X, the foundation that was laid by his parents as a Pan-African, as a Garveyite, someone, he, he ran the Nation of Islam's newspaper. He's the one that started that newspaper. And it's just so ironic because his mother also did the newspaper for the Garveyite movement. So there's these, like, connections there um, that I would say that that is the... F- The foundation of where it was started a seed that was planted in him that was later nurtured by the nation of islam and it grew
0: bigger right yeah i mean it's it's fascinating you know one of the things that i hear some folks every now and then you know just going back to how people have a warped image of who malcolm was you know and they come to this conclusion really not based on too much uh, you know research that they have done and you have to take into consideration the context of his time you know what i'm saying i mean those times were were just wildly wicked we you know you and i were not born in those times you know what i mean so it's, and has
1: like go know, ahead there were lynchings going on and people being killed by the clan and a lot of people you know they take I'm not I'm not one who is totally against Kennedy or whatever. But let's say I don't think that Malcolm attacked Kennedy after death. But let's say his criticisms of Kennedy while Kennedy was alive, some people may take offense to that because you know Kennedy was a good president and people really loved, loved
0: Kennedy. yeah, yeah,
1: people love Kennedy. But let's take Malcolm's perspective. You have a church that was bombed in... Alabama, with four black girls dying in the church. You're just going to a Sunday service. This is not a nightclub. This is not not that nightclub should be bombed. But I'm saying this is just little girls going to church, and a church gets bombed by the Klan with no really serious response. Right. And then when black people, there was no military sent in to Alabama until black people started fighting fighting back for themselves and standing up for themselves then kennedy decides okay now it's a good idea to go ahead and send in the federal troops but it's like why didn't you send in federal troops in the first place when all of this (laughs) when you you put these laws into place federally that you couldn't enforce you should have sent troops in in the first place and these were some of malcolm's criticisms it's like you're changing the laws, but you're not really there to enforce them. And, you know, these were some of his criticisms of you know what was going on at the time and why people try to call him things like anti Semitic. But if you look in at his uh conversations and his dialogue and his dealings with people of other races, this is not a man of hate. And I don't think that any white person that actually sat down and had a conversation with him and talked to him and heard his perspective, walked away thinking, this man hates me and he wants me to die. Right
0: Now,
1: they may think, like, okay, this guy's brilliant, or I disagree with how far he goes in his political views, but I don't think that they walked away thinking, like, this is a man that actually personally hates me and wants to kill me.
0: Right. And that's the thing, man. I mean, you mentioned the the thing about how he would go in on the Democrats and and the liberals. And, I, you know, recently I have seen people, you know, on the conservative side, use those words and and try to make the claim that, oh, if Malcolm was alive today, he would have been a Republican, a Trump supporter and all this nonsense. And That's- and it's complete bullshit. Malcolm X. I'm along the same lines as Malcolm X. Both parties were full of shit. He's, you know, remember that quote he said? I can't remember it exactly, but he said, he pretty much, in essence, said that the Democrats or the liberals would talk shit behind your back. The difference between the liberals and the conservatives was the conservatives would call you a racial slur to your goddamn face. And the liberals would do it behind your back. That was the only goddamn difference. So how these... Some people on the conservative side of the aisle take that as a compliment. I, it's beyond me, you know what I'm saying? It's he's talking shit about both of them. You know, I don't know. I don't know if that's how you ran into it, but that's how I ran yeah, into it. Yeah, I mean,
1: he says one will kill you with a smile, and the other will kill you with a growl.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, man. So and, it, it, know, he wasn't. He was never one side or the other, man. He he saw yeah. the bullshit on both sides. So this game of people trying to politicize him, oh, if he was alive today, he would have been a Democrat, or he would have been a Republican. Bullshit. He said both sides were full of shit, man, and and, and he never cowered to any of them sides. He would call them out every of, single goddamn time.
1: He kind of seen one as a wolf and one as a fox. Yeah, just like, either way, you are screwed. And I think that's an analogy he used, because a fox may be more clever about his tactics but his goal is the same as the wolf. Yeah. And that's pretty much what's happening. And it's becoming, it's interesting that he saw it back then because you're talking about a time that was really like even I guess the country is still divided, but I would think it's way back, worse it,
0: back then, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I agree. Exactly. The, the racism is still there. It's, it's and it's probably going to be all, unfortunately one of those things that's always there and we got to, you know, we got to roll with it, but I can only, you know, to say that it's the same as it was back then, it's minimizes what, you know, what our ancestors went through. You know what I'm saying? It, it was a hell of a lot different ball game, you know, 50, 60 years ago. And, but, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
1: And it, it, it was, and this is like an intense time of like, either the schools are going to be segregated or not. Either you're going to get a chance to go to such and such college or not. Either you're going to get such and such. I mean, it was like, I mean, it was a lot more intense and a lot more obvious in terms of what was happening. So, you know, what When the, black people were...
0: Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: No, no, no. What were you about to ask?
0: Well, one of the things that just reminds me what you just touched on, um, people will say that Malcolm X was a racist because he was a segregationalist. What they don't understand is that even that they take out of context. What he meant by being a, segre- a segregationalist was he was going by the law. The law said that, um, you know, separate but equal. The problem with that was people were separated, but the inner you know, the, the black folks and the brown folks were not given the equal right, so opportunity of education. So to call him a racist for that is absolute bullshit. And this is why he him and
1: the nation of Islam, especially they they um, they made a distinguishing a, sting, a distinguishment. They said we're not for integration. We're not for segregation. We're for separation. Right. Um. And there was supposed to be uh, a plan to maybe get some separate land and have so that we could, so that if it would be separate, it would be truly separate. Because with segregation, segregation is something that's imposed on uh, an oppressed group of people by an oppressor. So this is why you get water fountain A that shoots up spring water and water fountain B for the oppressed people is lead infected tap water and such and such. Uh, I'm being, dr- I'm being drastic in my comparisons with the water fountains, but I'm sure if we went with the comparisons in terms of the schools, that they were like that, that that they were segregated, but they definitely weren't equal in terms of the quality yeah. of the schools. And it's and believe it the or not the same
0: shit today, man.
1: It really is. It it really is the same stuff It's actually it it really is the same thing today. It's more clever tactics in terms of zoning and things like that. But Mm -hmm. I went to um, I went to in Baltimore, you have Baltimore City and then you have what they call Baltimore County. And then you have all of the other counties that are on the outskirts of Baltimore or whatever. Now, Baltimore City is majority Black. I want to say it's something like 76% Black. And when you look at the quality of the schools there and the quality of of life um, in terms of what it even takes to go to school, like let's say as a high school student in Baltimore City, you would have to catch public transportation with people that are junkies on drugs. You are exposed to all of the elements of the city just to get to your high school. And I experienced this for my first year of school. You're just going going on a school bus to the public. When I moved out to the county and I got a chance to go to their school system, and you're talking about a county where, yes, there are schools that are integrated in the county, but you're talking about the county is run different because there are some schools that are majority white. Now you have a yellow cheese bus that is coming to pick you up. You're not being endangered on your way to school, interacting with the public of Baltimore city, which is kind of a dangerous city. So you are, you have a bus system that comes Mm. and picks you up and it's, you know, it's kind of a nurturing. Then they pick you up after school. The lunch quality is different. The way that the school buildings look are different. The quality of the textbooks are different. Yeah. I got to kind of see this. And then when you start talking about private schools, which which is oh, where yeah. the elite politicians and people that are bankers and stuff like that, where they send your, their children, it gets even more drastic in oh, terms right. of differences. And I got to see some of that too.
0: Yeah. It's crazy, man. I I mean, I, I know, dude. I I grew up in the... You know, before high school, I pretty much spent my my life growing up in the public school system mm. and then right before high school my parents got a a great job opportunity and part of the job opportunity was to put us in catholic private school god mm. damn my man my my life experience you know from going to the public school system shitty ass public system where teachers didn't give a shit about if you turn your homework assignments or this and that you know they didn't they didn't give a fuck and Social yeah and cash man you would- and then I went to uh, Catholic school, man, and you know I was able to get a, a football scholarship, and it was completely different, man. I almost got kicked out because of my grades weren't weren't keeping steady. You know what I mean? So they they hammered wow. it home. They they made you, um, they they wanted you to succeed, but that's how much they cared you, for you. A public
1: school when you were a good football player, I've seen this plenty of times. You went to a public school. Even some private schools, but even more in public schools. If you went to a public school and you were a good football player, they would just pass you along almost with no, no tutoring. See, they and, would just find – you would just pass.
0: And that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, it's just – it's a different – different sets of rules, man. And you can see that in government today. You know, different sets of rules for the elites and, and just the, the working person. And it's no different when it's schools. You know, one of the things that, as I ponder, you know, what why are – our, you know, brown and black communities always impoverished, you know, and I try to figure out the solution. And my solution is simple, man. Let's all we would have to do is simply properly fund the schools, make them equal as to the schools in the avenues in the suburbs and whatnot, give them the same (coughs) level of education. And poverty would be eliminated within, you know, within a couple decades. no. I, I, I but and the thing is people give me shit they're like well we don't have no money for that we you know we got, we don't we can't be spending money blah 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 get get up by your bootstraps but then I see an article I don't know if you remember this but about a year and a half ago there was an article on Forbes uh, the Forbes website I'll put a link on the description where 21 trillion dollars goes missing unaccounted for and yet we what? can't afford to fund our fucking schools properly. But yet we can go 21 trillion dollars missing, and no one fucking bats an eye. It doesn't make any front page news. You know, all the news should have been covering a huge ass story. 21 trillion. I'm not talking about b with a with a you know with a b. Uh, I'm talking about trillion with a t as in Tommy. 21 trillion. Mm-hmm. Uh, unaccounted for but yet these motherfuckers will say oh well we don't have the money for this and we don't have the money for that it's all bullshit it's, it's all the same system to keep us all in the you know, lower rungs and while the the people up top just get to enjoy the fruits man
1: and it's funny because I'm looking at it now not only was it covered in Forbes but it was covered in the New York Times as well and there's an article but here but it about wasn't
0: the- a big like, deal you know it was a blip on could- the radar you know She's saying,
1: saying that this twenty-one million dollars that was misspent or met, went missing completely could pay for Medicare for everyone. Yep. Could pay for Medicare for all. Yeah. And this is according to this New York Times article here. That's just like that twenty-one trillion dollars just missing, missing, unaccounted for. To pay for Medicare for everybody. And, and this is why in a pandemic.
0: Yeah, man. This is why. People, I I, I'm so skeptical <laughs> with the the bullshit that the government plays, man. And it's gone on. So this whole. This whole impoverishment of the neighborhoods, you know, it, it's not just something that just happened overnight, man. This shit has been gone on for, you could go back centuries, and, and it's been in place, and people need to understand. And, and you know, sometimes you get some folks that will believe in conspiracies, but will dismiss this kind of shit. I'm like, we all need to be in this together, man. I mean, you you look at the, I mean, just to touch on it real quick, the Civil War. The whole Civil War shit, um, the it was fought for the rich plantation owners, you know. And who was fighting these wars? These poor white folks, who were told, you know, that they they were pumped up to fight this war because they were told that they were better than, you know, the African slaves. You know that was their motivation. But they didn't get no fucking money. That you know they stayed poor after the goddamn war. You know what I'm saying? And, and what people need to realize is that we all. It doesn't matter you know, who you are, what you are. We all need to wake up to the, to the corruption within our government and, and, and realize that this bullshit has gone on for too fucking, too long, man.
1: They really got played a lot. When I, when I look at the civil war and you look at the majority of the fact that the, most of these people own no slaves at all. Yeah. And the best they would ever have gotten was to be some type of, uh, to work. For some type of plantation where the plantation owner is basically throwing them crumbs, which of yeah. course he can do because he has a free labor force, so <laughs> he it, be it, able it's, to, it's, to.
0: It's people get played, man, and, and it's the same shit that happens today, man. Like these fucking oh yeah, Uh, Iraq has weapons of mass destruction. Oh fuck yeah, sign me up. You know what I mean? Going into these yeah. wars that we have no fucking business in, and and. I know we're getting off topic. I just caught myself off of Malcolm X, but let's tie this in, man. Let me ask you, who do you well, think and... uh, killed Malcolm X? Do you think the well, government I... was involved? The
1: government was was definitely involved in terms of its role of instigation. They didn't, for whatever reason, in, in this instance and in other instances, they didn't want to directly be trigger men. Um, There was an attempt on on Malcolm's life that happened in 1958 when he was living with someone that I believe um, was a government agent or possibly a direct agent, more than an informant, because this person even told them that they tried out to be be an agent. His name was John Ali. He's still alive. He was the one that held the press conference. I'm um, saying that, you know, when Malcolm made the comments about Kennedy that he spoke for himself, he's the guy that you see there. He was one of the key factors in the split between Malcolm and Elijah. So the governments, the way that they played it out was their goal was to separate Malcolm and Elijah because they understood the nation of Islam and basically of it being a kind of a paramilitaristic group or a cult, if you will. They understood that the power that came with it. Well, so any he, was of, called
0: a, he was labeled a, a black messiah, one of the black messiahs, he right? Labeled, he,
1: he was labeled a black messiah, but Elijah Muhammad was also considered a black messiah, Stokely Carmichael, okay. and Martin Luther King.
0: Martin Luther King.
1: But yep. Malcolm X, he was labeled a black messiah, and this was three years after his death. This was in... But that, that um that was a 1968 fbi uh, memorandum right. so, but yes it still considered him a black messiah in the movement mm-hmm. elijah muhammad was considered was labeled that because of his potential but it also they also disqualified him in the same um statement because of his age they felt like his age and all of the things that he had going on uh would prevent him from living up to his true potential. Right. This wasn't somebody, though, that they felt, at least at that time, that they had completely in their pocket. So they still kept an eye on Elijah Muhammad. There's, I think there's more FBI documentation on Elijah than almost like any... Because they have been watching him for, for years, and years and years and years and years and years. And so they wanted to get him and Malcolm separated because it, they knew it would create a dangerous situation.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then once that separation happened, they knew that it was only a matter of time, that if Malcolm did anything else, that it was gonna blow up into even an all-out war where Elijah's people would get killed or an all-out war, which would happen. Well, it didn't turn into an all-out war because Malcolm didn't want it to be an all-out war. There was a street figure um, who Malcolm ran with Back in the day, if you know anything, there's a movie, there's a Netflix series out about him called The Harlem Godfather. There's a guy named Bumpy Johnson. And he was a a notorious street figure in Harlem who had a lot of love for Malcolm and a lot of support for Malcolm. And he actually, against some of Malcolm's wishes, still put people around Malcolm to kind of protect Malcolm. Um, Malcolm eventually asked him to take a few of these guys off. Of him because they were street guys and the fbi was watching all of them so malcolm wasn't trying to get them in trouble and he also wasn't trying to affiliate himself with any stuff dealing with the streets um but bumpy johnson did kind of put some people around him bumpy johnson came to malcolm and said malcolm i hear you are having a problem with the nation of islam guys i can take care of this for you but malcolm not wanting two black groups to fight and go to war he declined bumpy johnson's offer So there could have been an all-out bloodbath, which is something that it was being instigated. There were anonymous letters being sent this way and that way. Whenever Malcolm was trying to speak with Elijah Muhammad, he wasn't able to get in touch with him and speak with him directly. He was sending letters out to Elijah Muhammad, and the letters were getting intercepted. So there was a lot of things that were being played into it. I believe that the Nation of Islam... And the corruption um, from the top, all the way from Elijah Muhammad to John Ali, to Louis Farrakhan, to the the so-called royal family, which is Elijah Muhammad's junior, Herbert Muhammad, his children, a lot of Elijah Muhammad's children. They played a role in the assassination of Malcolm X because they were basically running a, a organization that was corrupt. It was about making money by preaching black nationalism to get people excited and riled up, but really it's like collecting donations and then they're living a certain type of lifestyle. Malcolm was truly about the, what he was preaching. Right. And so what he was preaching and what he was talking about, he was really about it. And so it was a matter of, Malcolm didn't have any, um, Aspirations to become a wealthy man. His house that he lived in was a gift from Elijah Muhammad, but he he could he could have put it in his name, but he decided to leave it in the Nation of Islam's name. He drove a basic car. He lived a very basic, humble lifestyle. lifestyle. He didn't didn't take more than what he needed. So while he lived in a simple house, Elijah Muhammad had an 18-bedroom mansion. Yeah, he had a private jet. He had land all over the place he had a home in phoenix he had this this was what they was working up to and his children were living just as rich there were other um ministers and captains in the nation of islam that were stealing money and they were driving cadillacs uh say for instance captain joseph who um before he died admitted to firebombing malcolm's house and also he was the one that got a silencer in the beginning some of the early attempts on Malcolm's life. He was Malcolm's right-hand man at one time and Malcolm alleges that he found Captain Joseph in the gutter. And he worked with Captain Joseph, cleaned him up, got him into the position of captain. Um, But Captain Joseph had some domestic stuff that he had going on where he may have been abusive to his wife and Captain Joseph's wife was Malcolm's secretary. So when Malcolm found out about this, he didn't want to remove Joseph completely from his power, um, but he wanted him to be kind of set down for a moment until he got this stuff together. Of course, based off of this lifestyle and people becoming a power power addicted and stuff like that, that drove Captain Joseph into eventually hating him. He grew a deep hatred for Malcolm. Even to, like, the day that he died, it just grew into a hatred. I mean, when yeah. you're talking about firebombing, Somebody's house, and their wife is pregnant with two twins, and he has four little girls in there. Um, it it became like a cult like sickness, and I can't blame something like that on the FBI because that is Captain Joseph's. That was his call. Yeah, but I the think FBI knew that, that they knew they who they were playing.
0: Play. Yeah, well, that's what yeah. they're always playing. Like you know, they're always a few steps ahead of everyone. You know what I mean? They. They know where everyone's at. They they're following people's moves. They know who they can, um, you know push, you know to you know to get them to do some dirty work. You know what I'm saying? So they knew who they
1: the people vo- that if Malcolm was still close with Elijah, because they were, I think that they had their eyes on Malcolm for quite some time. But with him being close to Elijah, he's close to this power structure. Right. Now, granted. In his ignorance though He's not knowing that at the same time By him being close to Elijah He's building up this criminal Infrastructure in which people yeah. are stealing Got all kinds of underhanded Stuff going on And so he eventually once he got out of This cult um, He's like I feel bad For having you know been the one To invite people into this Yeah. But if we sure. take that aspect out of it And we just look at it from the way the government Is looking at it by him being close to this cult, he's close to all of this power. He's close to all of these people that are willing to kill at the drop of a dime. Yeah. And so the government knows, okay, we can't really do anything. We can't really do anything to him if he's with Elijah. And nobody else is going to do anything to him, really, if he, if he's with, with Elijah. So they had to remove that protection from him, get that separation going and basically they can tell like okay they followed around Martin Luther King for a while they were following Elijah Muhammad of course they're seeing that these people they might get around on their wives a little bit they may like a well not um, they made like a taste of the money like Elijah Muhammad they actually stepped to Malcolm um, there's an FBI recording that you can find on YouTube when he was suspended they stepped to Malcolm and tried to get him to start rolling on the nation of Islam for money. And they, they let Malcolm, Malcolm (laughs) basically told them you insult my intelligence and you insult your own intelligence. Um, excuse me. And what they said to him was you'd be surprised who we have working for us. And so I believe, and it's pretty much obvious that there were other people that were in the nation of Islam, that when the FBI stepped to them asking for names for money or asking for information for money, they weren't living on an up and up like Malcolm. And the FBI following these people, they knew what Elijah's lifestyle was like. They knew what Malcolm's lifestyle was like. And so I think when moral issues started to get introduced, like money being stole, sex with children and all of that kind of stuff was going on, they knew that that would introduce a wedge. Yeah. They knew that, that that would start to begin, that Malcolm would begin to lose some of the respect that he he had for Elijah. Divide and, and rightfully conquer, man. so.
0: Divide and conquer. But,
1: right, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good thing that Malcolm saw the bad and said, hey, I'm not going to align myself with this. It's just unfortunate that um, the response from the nation of Islam came the way that it that it
0: did. Well, that's the thing, man. With all these, you know, it it just doesn't happen with the nation of Islam. It's just with anything, man. Um, with our current politics, the people up top. I mean, to get to the very top, you got to be a corrupt, conniving motherfucker, man. There's just there's no way to put it. And very few people, there's only very few people that will actually live what they preach being on top of that hill. You know what I'm saying? And I would put Malcolm X in that category, man. Just a legitimately humble person like you have just stated. He was living in very simple means. He had all this television appearance. He had a lot of
1: access to money. Yes,
0: of, yes. And you know. he was living humble as, as could be, you know, given his situation because he was living... Preaching what, he, or he was living what he was preaching. I, even that, the
1: money he got from speaking engagements, excuse me. It, it, even the money he got from speaking. Go he, to he, Elijah. He speaks at, speak at Harvard or he speaks at Oxford or whatever. Yep. He take that money, puts it right into the Nation of Islam. Yes. And yes. even when he wrote his autobiography, it started out as a donate as a dedication to Elijah Muhammad. And He felt like by telling his life story that it would bring more people into the Nation of Islam. And also, he gave all of the proceeds <laughs> originally. He had all of the proceeds going to Elijah Muhammad for that book.
0: It's like you put it, I, and I got this from your you know, your podcast, just being 100% selfless. You know, not thinking yeah. about himself. Putting his cause, you know, who he thought he believed in, you know, was a righteous cause. Until he started finding out all the other bullshit that was going on. You know what I mean? But it was all selfless just just a testament to the man and you know side that a lot of people don't see or, or even learn about you know going back to the nonsense we get taught growing up in school you know um the whole 60s the whole decade of the 60s it, i delve into conspiracy I, I don't believe in lizard people i don't believe in uh flat earth and you know i believe in in the shit that we can document um You know, and even stuff that's still going on, like with the whole Jeff Epstein nonsense. But to me, the 60s in American history has to be one of the fucking most corrupt decades in our American civilization, man. You look at all the high-level government assassinations from JFK to RFK to Malcolm X, MLK, Fred Hampton. All these people in which the government had a role, man. Um yeah, you you, in one way, shape, or form of another, they had their hand in all this shit, and then,
1: with the Panthers, is just a, that is a very sad story because, we're talking about what the Panthers. These are, I think it was Farrakhan that actually said this. These are like the children of Malcolm X. That organization started out because they were inspired by Malcolm X. Right. So that's why you know Malcolm. People say that Malcolm X taught violence. Malcolm X taught that we should defend ourselves. So when the Black Panthers came out, they were the Black Panther parties for self-defense. They were defending themselves in their neighborhoods. And not not only that, they were providing free services to the na- to, to the communities like I've never ever heard of or seen since that time. The free breakfast program that was started by the Black Panthers, which gave kids that wouldn't normally eat, gave them breakfast and a bag lunch is what inspired the free lunch program that the government eventually adopted. But that was something that was started by the Black Panthers, who these people try to label as terrorists. They had um, acupuncture services. Matulu Shakur, which is Tupac's stepfather and one of his mentors, he went over to China and learned acupuncture, brought the acupuncture services back here to the United States. And they were using this to help people break heroin addictions and addictions to other strong drugs. So Mm -hmm. they were bringing services to the community. Oh, they also had an ambulance service. I guess they felt like, you know, people were getting shot or injured in the neighborhood, or even if you call for whatever, the response is notoriously slow in black communities. So they also had an ambulance service as well. Um, the, the services that they brought to the community was quite amazing and the government spied on them they they terrorized them and they outright killed Fred Hampton which is a, oh, a yeah, shame man. because that man was brilliant one of the most brilliant minds at the age of 21 sometimes yeah, i listen to him speak and i can't even believe that this guy was is years younger than i am today
0: yeah <laughs> no it's 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 just one of those things, man, that until you wake up to the nonsense, you know, of the government shit, it's, it's hard to fathom, you know, that that the government is, is dirty as fuck, man. And then the, the problem is, just like with everything else, uh, history is written by the winners. So then, you know, these decades pass, these years pass, and then they shape up their own narrative in which people... Um, they want you to to believe so this narrative you know it goes ties back into the very beginning of the conversation the we you know Malcolm X was a powerful person who was speaking out against the the bullshit of of the government you know that had been going on for for decades essentially and the narrative we get fed is that he's a violent racist <laughs> you know what i'm saying simple as that you know it, Completely um, violent because e- he's saying
1: we should protect ourselves from lynchings and from
0: yeah.
1: all of that. You punch that me, was- I'm
0: gonna punch you back. back. Simple as that. Exactly. And that's not violence. No.
1: You know, and he was he was definitely characterized and demonized that way in the media. And I think that the FBI was very much relieved that he was gone and also um it's unfortunate because I also feel like they they say that the FBI is different today, and I, oh, I would
0: hope that it is. No, nah, man, I, uh, I have, I I completely <laughs> I don't believe it's the same bullshit, bro. Same shit.
1: I, yeah, I, exactly. I, I, they probably they definitely have some form of COINTELPRO that exists today, but they they say that it's different than the FBI of yesteryear. But when you look at the Malcolm situation and I was talking to one of my friends who was like a Malcolm X Scholar, and I was just looking at the way Malcolm's, his actual assassination, the way that it was carried out, the federal government should have been involved in that investigation, and they really shouldn't have, um, because it was a, anytime you have crimes that take place over state lines and things like that, it's automatically a federal crime. Yeah. And the FBI knew very well who did it. And those people didn't come from New York. He was murdered in New York. But I think that one of the reasons why they left the... And I've actually never shared this before, but um, one of the reasons why... I talked about on my show that there were two men from New York that went to jail for Malcolm's murder... Who people say didn't participate in his murder. And these two men um were actually from the Harlem Mosque. And had they tried to come to the autobahn bomb route, they would have been pointed out easily. Yeah. But these two men were known as enforcers for the Nation of Islam. Basically, if you didn't sell enough newspapers, they was whooping your ass. You're right. Um, if you didn't <laughs> do such and such, they were whooping your ass. And a month before. They had shot somebody in the chest that left the Nation of Islam and had a business with Elijah Muhammad's picture up. He refused to take Elijah Muhammad's picture down. And they basically just shot the guy through the chest. One of the reasons why I believe that they were used as kind of like fall guys is because they were from New York and that would kind of keep the investigation in New York. But if you look at the people that actually murdered Malcolm, they came from Newark, and they were really hired to do that from people from Chicago. So if all of that got brought into it, that becomes a federal investigation. Oh, yeah. So by having those guys pretty much except the guy that was captured on the scene, he had to admit that he was from Newark, and he didn't snitch and tell about all of his conspirators until in the 70s. So I think it may have been... I want to say like 77. He came out and told about how him and like four other guys, they were from Newark and came over to the bridge and carried it out. But he didn't snitch initially. So mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why they were able to just pretty much take him to take them down and just kind of leave it as a state case. But his case really should have been prosecuted by the federal government. And they knew who did it. But
0: they just stayed out of it. No. Uh, Like I said, I mean, these guys always—they always got their moves uh, planned out ahead. They know all this shit, man. But you know, we're led to believe that they don't know too much, or you know, (laughs) or that they're disorganized and this and that. Now, man, I've got no question, man. Like the whole—the whole decade of the '60s, man. You know, NASA. Uh, you you heard about Operation Paperclip, right? Yes, I have. Yeah, that's where they NASA was essentially started by Nazis, man. And, and when you put all that shit together, it happened in the '60s. The amount of corruption and bullshit, you know, we talked about Operation Mockingbird, where anyone uh, questioning, you know, the JFK assassination was automatically labeled a t- you know uh, a conspiracy theorist.
1: Exactly to yeah.
0: discredit, you know, any anyone that's questioning the official narratives, and it's just these these bullshit. And then you you fast forward a few decades to the eighties with Iran Contra, where the government was, you know, the CIA was essentially dealing crack cocaine in the inner cities, you know, affecting black and brown youth, and all so they could fund um, destabilizations in Latin America with, you know, remember exactly. Free, Freeway Ricky Rick Ross
1: Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. Rock. yeah. Talk about the, the Nicaragua with the Marine cartel and, Oh man all, It's
0: all kinds of bullshit and and the thing is, a lot of people were like well that was in the 60s, and then you give them the, the shit from Iran-Contra Oh well that was in the 80s Then you bring up the Jeff Epstein shit, which affects all the world leaders, Prince Andrew Bill Clinton, Donald Trump um, Adnan Khashoggi Um, just world leaders from all, you know, from everywhere, and and from science, from the sciences to the political realm, everywhere, and this is still going on, the Maxwell shit is still going on, so when people try to dismiss, well, that was in the past, you can, this shit is still going on, always has gone on, and will continue to go on, going on, you know what I mean, And, and so, I guess what I'm trying to do with my little show is just trying to Get people to open up, man, or see that this bullshit is going on and, and wake up to it. And I know we're going on an, almost an hour, so I, I appreciate your time, my man. Um, no I should have asked you before uh, we went on the air, but I, I was hoping if I could use uh, your track, man, just a sick-ass beat, uh, you know, to, to carry off the show, man. I, Absolutely, I, man. I was surprised yesterday when you told me that was you, you know, spitting those rhymes, man. Yes, yes, that, freestyling off me. the dome, as you say. <laughs> oh man, when yes. you when you said that, the way you speak, man, I'm telling you, everyone subscribe to my man, brother Eric. Links will be in the description. Uh, you got Thanks. any other social medias uh, you wanna you wanna put down?
1: Um, you can follow me on Instagram. Um I'm L Summers nineteen on Instagram. That's E L Summers like the season with a S. Okay. You can follow me on Instagram as well. For um sure, I'll put some stuff out there as well. But man, it's been a pleasure. I I definitely enjoy your subject matter and this pretty much would it doesn't seem like it now because I have to spend a lot of time kind of dissecting a lot of things that have been put out there over the years in terms of Malcolm's involvement with the nation of Islam. there's a lot of things that I just kind of have to to dissect now and just kind of put out a lot of troops there yeah. but ultimately this is ultimately a government thing is you know as well and involvement, they, yeah yeah they they play a major role in it even the CIA when Malcolm was traveling in Egypt, he had to have his stomach pumped because he was poisoned by the CIA.
0: Yeah, man. Dude, this probably- out, out of the two wings, man, the CIA, FBI, the CIA is the dirtiest motherfucker, man. No. No question about it, man. The the amount of dirty these motherfuckers get. But, man, I would love to do another show down the road, man. I mean, even, you know, going into the MLK thing. The MLK is another government hit that people don't even fucking realize. They don't even realize of the civil court that went in 1999 where the government essentially admitted guilt into the conspiracy. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. People are so... I, I don't know what it is. It's just, and part of it is because the government keeps the shit quiet. You know what I mean? How the hell does a a trial where the government admits guilt? No one, How do how do people not know about the shit? You know they they're good. They they kept the media. Well, they kept the media out of the out of the courtroom. You know they. Yeah. They purposely did this shit to keep it quiet. And so a lot of people don't fucking know this, man. So I would love to have another episode down the road where we, you know, dig into the MLK's assassination. Another government hit.
1: Yes, I would I would love to I would love to do that. I would love to do that. You oh, know, yeah. the government is really interesting because when you look at this music that is getting funded, I know we gotta get ready to, to wrap up. When we look at this the music that's being pumped out and the forms of entertainment that's being pumped out. It's really all very elementary. Like, the basic man. music that's being pumped out, it's like a second grade jingle. And I even heard a rapper say that basically in order to really get your single played and pumped on the radio, they bring a kid in. Like a nine-year-old or second grader, however you old, seven or eight years old or whatever, second, third grade, and they play the music for the kid. If he can sing along to it, you got a hit. <laughs> if he's not if the second grader isn't vibing to it, you don't have a hit. No. And when you when you look at the way these music videos and stuff are marketed, I see only really two different type of things. They either look like really satanic, where the people are like in blood, or they like in like it looks like really like golf type stuff. Or you start to see a lot of yeah, you start to see a lot of colors. Yeah, it's like they're advertising the kids. They're trying to
0: yeah, they're trying to get you in a trance, man. Um, Yeah, you you know messing with your your sensory, uh, you know your brain sensors essentially. And get you hooked, man. They know they've done experiments with this shit for the longest time, so they know exactly how to pretty much brainwash people. Is is and what's K-pop. going on? And you knew about the CIA messing with hip hop to de- deliver messages. They were doing that with Cuba, Q- you know, in Cuba. They were delivering hip hop songs to the Cubans to try to get them to rise up against uh, Castro. There's so much shit we can get into, my man. <laughs> it's so it's so wow, fascinating, yeah. man. But uh. Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm looking forward to you stay on the line when we when we wrap up the show so that uh, we get some of the the last minute details. But again, uh, follow my man. He's on Spotify. You're on pretty much all the podcast forms, right? Uh, the, yes, the, the I'm Gospel on. of Saint Malcolm. He's on Instagram. Say that Instagram one more time.
1: It's our uh, E. L. Summers ninety one.
0: All right, y'all, man. It's been a pleasure. And stay on the line, brother Eric. Uh, hope you guys enjoy. And we're gonna leave you out with this tune.
2: We will hip-hop beat 30 years from now I guess I should keep studying my peers for now Should I make a dance and snap thumbs back drums. Are we selling our souls For 32 pieces of gold If it's lacking a soul How can it remain whole We make music for stripper poles But no music to thank that's that short-term money that we put in the bank But the drama's going backwards I see devolution Instead of evolution, this is soul prostitution The children are fumbling Even got the elders in carriage and mumbling Watching them stumbling Day after day is so humbling Meanwhile our stock has been plummeting And they telling me I need to sound like these other niggas grown ass men trying to sound like the younger niggas used to have balance back in the days we had talent trying to be original was the challenge now all these niggas sound the same and all the beats pound the same same cadence same drums all that shit sounding lame 20 niggas trying to sound like feature and i love rocking future but that style is for future then you niggas need a different producer hope that bullshit crash your computer ain't nothing cool about being a loser Encouraging brothers to be junkies, please stop encouraging brothers to be flunkies. They don't wanna see y'all traveling, see countries. They just wanna see y'all sit and be bunkies. The reality we making stems from the music we be making. You can't be one with God and do the work of Satan. Laws of nature get violated, my people get annihilated. How longer can we tolerate it? A change is gonna come, and I gotta make it. I rather make you think than to make you dance. Even if I flop, still gotta take the chance. I love to see you change more than money change your hands. Cause your future's worth more than the big advance. The bigger man gotta wear the bigger pants. I put right first like a South Park. So I gotta take a different stance. That's real. He said I love